Last night took an L, but tonight I bounce back. Wake up every morning, by the night I count. We are back together here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. It's Andrew Callahan and Sean Fitz, as always, from Lions 24-7, bringing you the best Penn State news, notes, analysis on the beat, on the web, anywhere you care to look. And uh, it's good to be back. Been about three weeks, I think, since we did this. I took an absence for a reason that I don't think I ever specified, but we'll keep it a mystery, because uh, who doesn't like a good mystery story? Quick rundown of today's episode, episode number 12, uh, which it's kind of hard to believe that we're getting into like the, the preteen uh, era now for this podcast. I don't know if we're going to get a little angst between us here or things are going to get a little sour for the next few years or episodes, but we're going to work through it. Um, first talk, we're going to go back to the weekend that was for Penn State. In case you missed it, you missed a lot. Five commits have been added to the 2018 class, which is now up to 19. We'll talk about each of those commits individually. Where does Penn State go now? Leftover lift for life notes, a lot of updates on different players in the team as a whole. Um, and then we're going to get into our final thoughts about camp and an interview that Sean has with one of the 2018 commits. And lastly, as we ask you every week, please drop into iTunes, rate us, review us. So far, I think it's up to 36 uh, reviews, all five stars. We are so appreciative of that, but we'll take the good with the bad any way we can get better. Always looking to do that. So without any further delay, uh, Sean, what's up, man? Penn State got better this weekend, better better than your intro. I mean, you're rested, refreshed, and back in rare form. But uh, yeah, Penn State got better this weekend. Five commits and counting as we record five commits. That's going to change. But uh, yeah, big weekend for Penn State. Started off on Friday with a commitment from Judge Culpepper. Added two more on Saturday, two more on Sunday. We're going to break them down in a second. But man, they, they are rolling on the trail right now. It was a big weekend for James Franklin and company. They got... Uh, I think uh, 14 commits on campus, 25 players in the 2018, 2019, and 2020 uh, classes that have offers from Penn State. So just a huge weekend. And the Lash Bash is the the, the last big uh, hurrah for them before camp. As we know, Penn State's um, very big uh, recruiting pitch comes during the season at their night games and and their atmosphere and everything. But Lash Bash is a great opportunity for them to, to sort of get the family feel. And I think that's the big thing to take away from this is, Almost every kid that I talked to talked about how it's like a backyard barbecue with their family and, and, and how the coaches were there, their families, the players, the commits, and, and just uh, there was just a lot of family vibe going on. And I think that, that has paid off already and it's going to continue to do so. Um, and, and I think Penn State will continue to benefit from this, not only this week, but in the future because there's a lot of talent on hand. And we saw that beginning on Friday. I mean, this is traditionally a great weekend for Penn State and, and recruiting. You expect a couple of commits to land and build on that class. You know, we mentioned five surpassed all expectations uh, or most expectations. So you, you saw the kids not only being recruited by the coaches and the staff that was on hand, but the players too. I mean, you have a sizable class coming in. Almost all of them were in town for the camp then the Lash Bash, and we've heard the pull that you know your peers have trying to get you to come aboard, and obviously they had great success with that. Yeah, peer recruiting is, is huge to these guys. They talk a lot, especially more with social media, DMs, and everything like that. Uh, Penn State's commits were on hand on Friday night all the way through Sunday at, at camp. Uh, Friday night, they had Jason Oway and PJ Mustafer working out uh, with Sean Spencer, but when they weren't working out, they were being uh, talked to by uh, Zach Kuntz and Pat Fryermuth and, and guys like that. And then, of course, the bash comes. You got Jesse Lukita coming in, who's the, the people's champ, uh, leader of the class, uh, self proclaimed leader of the class in terms of <laughs> recruiting. Um, but when you get these guys around, not only them, but their families, I think I think that's one thing that we look back uh, in the past and you see a lot of families identifying with James Franklin and their staff. 
Um, Shane Simmons is a great example. His mother has been one of Penn State's biggest recruiters for the last couple yep. of years. Fred Hansard's mother last year was, was like that as well. So you get these families to buy in. It's a lot easier to, to get these other guys to send, to, to send their kids there as well. So I think that's, a, that's been a big deal for them. Now we mentioned two defensive linemen, uh, Owe and Mustafer received a lot of attention from the commits in the class. You know, as we're recording this now, neither of them are on the team, but there is a new, uh, defensive lineman aboard with this class. Judge Culpepper committed on Friday. My name is Judge. Yeah. <laughs> There's so many puns that we can go with this. But yeah, big pickup for Which Penn State. Which is usually my department, but you just like ran away with it when I was a uh, big uh, arrested development fan. So yeah. anytime you can work the, the the judge into it, it's great. But uh yeah, uh Judge Culpepper is gonna be a defensive tackle for Penn State. I think he came on the radar as a tight end, uh defensive end, and but I mean the the genes in this kid are are there. His father, Brad, uh was a uh, All-American in Florida. He's an NFL player for a few years, and and I think that uh, you know the genes are there, the athleticism is there. A lot of schools wanted this kid. LSU was in there, Florida was in there, Nebraska was in there. Um, so some big-time schools coming after him. He's just a big kid. I, he reminds me a little bit of Robert Windsor um, in the sense mm. that you know he's six four plus, almost six five. He's uh, two sixty five right now, but he's going to be a three hundred and ten pound defensive tackle and still pretty athletic. So. Uh, you know, I like the pickup. Penn State had Dorian Hardy already on the defensive line class, and they're trying to add a couple more names to that, which we're going to get to. But uh, yeah, I like the pickup of Culpepper. I think that he can be a productive guy at Penn State, and it's always good to, to, to get into Florida. They've got a couple commits from Florida in the last couple of weeks with Culpepper and Jordan Minor. So uh, yeah, big step forward on the defensive line, and, and we'll see where they go from there. And we got to keep the train moving onto the other four commits of the weekend. But one last thought uh, on Culpepper is that you know you look at where he fits into this class in terms of the rankings. He's in that bottom third, bottom fourth theory by our two core seven composite rankings but you look at his offer sheet and that doesn't match up with where he hovers in uh right around now about the 400s i believe so alabama lsu you mentioned nebraska's in there notre dame had an offer out you know miami clemson showing interest it's just a, a kid who appealed to a lot of different school system and can fit in there he's listed as a strong side defensive end but i think ultimately you're right you know defensive tackles where he's headed and um not like diamond of the rough so to speak again people are aware of him but i think that that ranking could perhaps rise and you could see an impact like robert windsor had which was again a guy lower in the rankings but filled out and made an impact as a redshirt freshman yeah when you've got those bloodlines everybody knows his father um and you, you see offers like alabama and lsu you kind of know what you're getting out of a kid like that so i think that that helps his offer list and and when you know the character of the kid and his family and everything like that if he's been around florida should have gotten this kid i, I don't think there's many excuses for the gators in terms of why why they wouldn't get him um, but uh, Penn State did a great recruiting job. Josh Gaddish, Sean Spencer, Terry Smith, uh, James Franklin all had a hand in it. Uh, got him up for his second visit, and uh, this is a kid that, that, that should be going to Florida, but Penn State pulled him, so I think that's the, the biggest thing to take away when you're talking about Culpepper. And now the most interesting commit of the weekend to me, Will Levis. Came in, Camp Friday, had a very good performance there. You know, it was a Got to take it within the context of what it was. He was certainly the best quarterback there of anyone who camped out, so he, he stood out naturally. Where is he from? I think he's from uh, Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken. That, that explains so it. So now we're putting more context around this. Is my praise is not as worthy because he's from the old. Uh, he's a fellow nutmegger. Yes, that's it. Okay. I'm glad you remembered the, the right. state nickname. Well, we'll st- we'll stick to facts. Uh, he has a Florida State. He had a Florida State offer. Uh, Iowa, North Carolina also jumped in the mix after he camped out at different places. And this interest was all received very late. 
But once that Penn State offer came, obviously he jumped on it. Yeah, no doubt. And I think the biggest thing to take away is the first thing that you said. Everywhere Will Levis went this summer, he earned an offer. That was Iowa, Florida State, North Carolina, Syracuse, UConn, which drug their feet on offering for some reason, probably at Randy Edsel. But it's just, it's it's a guy that goes and competes and he picks up offers from, you know, Florida State was not going to take him. They're waiting out Justin Fields, but I don't think that's a knock on the kid. Uh, I think that Penn State, uh, you know, centered on him pretty much after Jace Reuter committed to, to North Carolina. They wanted to see what he could do at camp, put forth uh, an impressive uh, effort at camp and, you know, ultimately jumped on board. So you got your quarterback, which obviously we know is a huge piece of the puzzle for, for any recruiting class. He's not Justin Fields. I'm sorry. I mean, nobody is. Nobody is. I mean, Justin Fields is the top player in the country. Uh, and, you know, it's it's going to be a tough pill to swallow for a while because he's going to be a good, very good college player. But Will Levis is a guy that can get it done in the Big Ten. He's a guy that can get it done in the college game. And, you know, it's uh, it, it remains to be seen how he comes out. But he's athletic enough. He makes the throws. Uh, he's got a bigger arm than people realize. Andrew, you watched him the other night. What did you think of him at camp? I was impressed. You know, I, I like to caution always against, you know, the importance of uh, camp workouts and performances. But I think what you saw from Levis, first of all, is that he seemed to take coaching very well from Joe Moorhead, who, of course, was very interested and, and applied himself there to, to fix things, whether it was mechanically, certain routes that he was running with the wideouts. But when they ran that route tree, I mean, he could make every throw. He's obviously super athletic. I think we mentioned in previous pods an outstanding spark score. He's six foot four, 220, 225 pounds. So it's just a matter of refining those little things. And I think if you have time with him, you know, he can do anything you would want to in this offense. Uh, I'd like to see him, you know, of course, with pads on and then surrounded by talent that, you know, he he would he will see here at Penn State. But in terms of just the tools, they were on full display at camp, did very well. You can completely understand why he's had offers from the likes of a Penn State, Florida State, North Carolina, Ole Miss also in the mix. So it's noteworthy to me that not only the, the quality of those programs and schools, but the variety of systems that had interest in him. And that, that speaks to all the tools. He's not going to be a guy that runs around all the time. I mean, he's athletic. He ran, a, I think, four six nine. Uh, for the coaches, but he's going to be a guy that can move when he needs to move, uh, move that pocket from time to time. And I think most importantly, he can push the ball down the field. And that's uh, obviously a huge part of this offense. So I think he's a good fit. Uh, I think I think they found out he was a better fit than, than he, they thought coming in. But yeah, good fit for Penn State moving forward. Third commit. Shaquan Anderson Butts from Harrisburg, a guy that's been on the board, off the board, all, you know, just all over the place, really. Uh, I think the thing to remember about Anderson Butts he is very physically talented. I mean, he's yes. he's got he's got a lot of talent. Uh, he's shown it at camp the last couple of years. Can go up and get the football. Uh, big kid. They recruited him as an athlete. Six uh, hair over six foot, uh, two hundred and five pounds. So uh, he got a, some positional flexibility there. But I think he's a receiver in the in the long run, um, no doubt. Uh, Harrisburg, I think, is an important cog in in what Penn State's trying to do. Signed Damian Barber in February. Uh, Micah Parsons is obviously there, and I don't think that can be overlooked. I don't know that it's going to have a huge deal um, for for Micah, but I don't think it can be overlooked. And Anderson Butts is a pretty good player in his own right. Uh, came onto the radar uh, yeah, as a, with a great sophomore season, another good junior season last year. So productive football player can play outside, can probably play inside as well. I think uh, in terms of, of physical talent, he's got it all there. Um, is he going to be there uh, when this class uh, arrives next summer? That remains to be seen. He's got some academic things to work out. But uh, physically, I think he's he, he's as good as a, a wide receiver as you can probably expect coming from in-state. And we'll get to you know another wide receiver who recently joined the class. Obviously, Justin Shorter is the headline, the current jewel of this group. So he was reclassified as an athlete in our system. And I think you know most expect him to go back to wide receiver. But let's say all the options are still on the table. 
is this a guy given those physical tools? And again, you know, perhaps there's a, a larger climb for him on the depth chart. Could he impact the team early? You know, perhaps as a returner in your mind. He could. I don't think he will. I don't know if he's as shifty. And, and given the, I think that's more about the guys that they've brought in over the last couple of years. Right. I, think, I think Anderson Butts can make some things happen on offense. He can also play defense. Don't know if he's a college level, Big Ten level defender, but uh, he gives you a, a little bit more flexibility there. And when Penn State's trying to add guys uh, like a Daniel George, like a Jahan Dotson or a Solomon Enos, you don't want to fill up at a position too much. So they'll throw the athlete tag in there. And I think that that's something we saw with Butts, or excuse me, Anderson Butts. I think he can he can be a Big Ten receiver. That physically, he's there, and uh, you know we'll see where that comes uh, come signing day and beyond next year. Now, this is a little known fact, but another athlete, uh, Jake Pinniger, he's foremost a kicker. That's what he was signed, committed, fourth prospect of the weekend to come on board for Penn State's class of 2018. Uh, but athletic, and, and he'll come all the way from Iowa. Yeah, athletic for a kicker is a little bit different, but yeah, this <laughs> this kid had has a nice little athletic pedigree in in Iowa. Uh, All-state football player, I believe district MVP is a safety, plays a little wide receiver as well. Um, I think sixth in the state in 110 hurdles. I uh, did some exhaustive research on him the other day for some reason. But uh, yeah, but uh, I think for some reason, yeah. I don't know, maybe that he committed. <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's that. But uh, no, he, uh, he's he got a big leg. Uh, no doubt about it. This is a kid that, that can boot the ball out of the end zone. I think he's a kickoff specialist. Don't know how much he's done in terms of actual field goals and, and things like that. But he's a kickoff specialist who's going to he's going to get touchbacks for you. Um, you know, Joey, Joey Julius will be gone at some point. Um, hopefully he's back this year, but, uh, he's going to fill that role right away. I think he can get in there and, and, and as a freshman come in and play right away because of that, uh, worked out for Penn state twice this summer, worked out at the Northern Illinois camp, uh, that they held in conjunction with obviously Northern Illinois and Arkansas in June, got onto Penn state's radar there after that camp picked up, uh, offers from, I believe, Indiana, Western Illinois, Northern Illinois, and, uh, a couple other schools. So he had the opportunity. I was Bowling Green. He was committed to for a short time. But, uh, you know, he, he came to Penn State to, to earn an offer. He worked out before camp on Friday night. Uh, I think he did so, showcased that big leg, and, and they wanted to move on him, which uh, says something to me in a, in a class that's rolling like it is with the scholarship numbers that they have. Yep. Um, I think that taking a kicker right now means you really, really wanted this kid. So I think that's the biggest thing to take away from it, uh, kickoff specialist, and, and, and we'll see how he develops as a field goal guy. I think Cole's kicking had him number 13 in the country. So mm-hmm. uh, just not completely out of nowhere but uh and when you when you've got an athlete like that he can cover kicks on help cover kicks on his own add a little bit more to your rosters to, uh, all over the place i think the footsteps that he'll have to step into that are obviously large with joey julius not only in terms of generating touchbacks but the hits <laughs> he'll have to generate but you mentioned he, he'll be able to kind of get in the mix there and, and cover a little bit yeah i watched his tape last week and you know he was all over the field as a safety and that's uh that's something you want to see from your kicker uh whether you can get an athlete a lot of these kickers come in as soccer players um which He's a soccer player as well, but uh, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's a guy that can make uh, make plays at the high school level, and if you can do that, you can at least get a hand on a guy. I don't think we're going to see too much ole from from Pinnaker, um going forward, but uh, yeah, an athletic guy that you can add as your kicker. We'll see how he develops, and, and and you know, Penn State's hoping he's a good one. Last but certainly not least, Daniel George, long sought after prospect out of Maryland, four star wideout. Uh, for those who do not know, six one and a half, about two hundred pounds. Seen a lot of comparisons or, or desires for him to play in the mold of a Chris Godwin, which is obviously fresh in the memory. But but he brings a lot to the table. He you know he's long been uh, forecasted to come to Penn State for the two four seven Sports Crystal Ball. 
you know, you've been on this and obviously a quality addition here for the last uh, part of the weekend. Yeah, Chris Godwin comparisons may be a little off in terms uh, – he's got the same size as Chris, no doubt. Chris was uh, an unbelievably polished high school receiver, especially coming out of Delaware, coming in. Um, you look at the guy in Godwin's class that I compare him to, and this isn't so much the size, but Saeed Black now came in raw. Uh, he was a big, physical, uh, quick, fast kid. Um, a lot of, you know, very, very twitched up. I think he's, I think that Daniel George is a guy like that. He's not a refined receiver. He's not going to be a guy that steps in day one and is a guy that's running your route tree and and doing a great job running routes. I think that, uh, you know, he's a guy that's going to take some development. Penn State obviously has receivers on its roster and and Mm -hmm. Justin Shorter coming in as well. So there's that room for development. Um, you know, he's still a little bit raw right now, but I think the athletic potential is huge. Uh, 3.92 second shuttle at the Nike camp uh, is beyond elite. I mean, that's that's one of the top, if not the the top in the country. So George can move laterally. He can he can run in a straight line. He can do a lot of things that you want him to do as a wide receiver. And I think uh, probably the biggest pickup of the weekend because there's so much raw talent yet to be mined. And when, when he gets to start working with Josh Gaddis, I think it, it'll be fun to watch him grow. So there were plenty of other prospects on hand, most notably 2019, a lot of Ohio State targets that were in town all at once. You know, and we can get to those in a second. But my question now is, of course, you know, five commits was a bit unexpected to to a degree uh, here, adding to the class, which is now at 19. We knew this was going to be a very large class, given the losses that are about to come, both via the draft and graduation. But looking ahead to how they fill out this class, not only specific players, but positions that jump out to you where they're going to need to fill or or prioritize now, given how the commits unfolded and and flowed in over the weekend. Yeah, 19 and counting as this recording, because it's going to be counting here pretty soon. But yeah, I think that the the positions are sort of what takes takes hold here. We talk about best player available, but we also see the, the holes in this class right now. Two defensive linemen committed. They want probably five out of that group, and you can you can lumped ends and tackles in there they had a couple guys in this weekend that i think can can sort of help them out there and, and definitely help them out not sort of help them out uh jason Owe, who we talked about uh, a little bit earlier camped on friday night just blew away the testing portion man when that when that kid puts it together he's going to be something special and and he's just going to keep climbing up the rankings very raw right now but he ran a 445 or a 446 or something uh for penn state on friday night at uh, 235, 238 pounds or something like that, this kid's a freak. I mean, he's in the best in the best possible way. Um, would be a great pickup for Penn State. I think they made up some a lot of ground. Um, trailed Ohio State coming into the weekend, but I think they 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 had him on campus for a while. Um, he loved what he saw. They got him around the commits, and and I think in terms of people that they maybe weren't expecting to uh, to to take the plunge. Don't think he's there yet, but Penn yep. State probably did more to improve with Jason Owe than they did with anybody else uh, this weekend. So that's great news. P.J. Mustafer was also there with him at camp on Friday night. Um, P.J. is a guy that uh, the crystal ball says Penn State, uh, you know, it's sort of the, the sort of waiting, waiting, waiting. Where's he at right now? It's hard to say. You, you would think he maybe would have taken the plunge by now, but at the same time, he's a family. He comes from a family that's gone through it. His brother Sam's at Notre Dame. They know the process. They know what's going on. And maybe if there's a spot or two that uh, gets taken up, he, he might be a guy that jumps on board. And Aeneas Hawkins is a guy that sort of circled back around um, 
Cincinnati was feeling great about him, and, and rightfully so. Uh, Penn State worked on that to get him back on the campus, had another good visit this weekend, to, uh, told me it was his best visit anywhere ever. Um, so that's not a bad thing. No. So, um, so I think that uh, those are a couple of guys you look to on the defensive line, which I think is the, the biggest area of need. Uh, obviously, offensive tackle, they still have some spots there. Rasheed Walker, TJ Bradley were up over the weekend. Uh, and then Ashim Young, who announces, I guess, today as we uh, pr- publish this today, uh, I don't know what else to say about Ashim Young except the crystal ball has been Penn State for a long time. So, um, yeah, so Penn State's going to continue to pick up a couple guys heading into the season, and they're going to be in a good spot if they, if they want to focus on some ultra-elite guys, going back to guys like Micah Parsons, and uh, focus on those ultra-elite guys heading into the season. And really, there won't be too much to do in terms of uh, official visits for guys who aren't committed, which is a, a good thing for that right. staff to worry about the on-field product, especially when you've got the expectations that they do. So Hawkins jumps out to me very briefly because, of course, for the same reason you mentioned Cincinnati, rightfully so, felt great about this Cincinnati native. Penn State's recently taken a lead in his crystal ball, uh, but a guy who, you know, when you look at, you know, I think we are in agreement here that defensive line certainly takes priority for how they're going to fill up these last few spots. And if the likes of, you know, Owe and Mustafer, rightfully so, kind of take their time, you know, is there a reason for him to jump aboard? You know, if he's riding this great feeling, of course, what would be holding you back? Well, Cincinnati's shown great interest for a long time. They have an offer there there as well. Legacy, yep. Uh, Alabama, Clemson also have offers out there. So it'll be a really interesting dynamic in terms of how which domino falls next and then how quickly do you know the final one or two go after that yeah i think the dominoes is the big thing because because they these kids know how many spots are available i mean when there's two commits and you're taking five or taking six there's not much impetus for to, to make a decision so when those start filling up of course that's why i think the judge culpepper commitment is a big deal um, you, you start to see these guys hop on board. We mentioned Mustafer. He's been, his family's been through it before. They're pretty smart about the situation. So you see one of those fall, you might see one guy right after it. So I think that's, uh, what you get, uh, you get around to when you're talking about filling. And if you look at James Franklin's, um, sort of pyramid of what he looks for in terms of positions, defensive line is right near the top, uh, right, right with offensive line. They want, Big guys that can can move. Uh, they take a little bit longer to develop, so you may take an, an extra one here or there. They want big guys that are athletic and can move, and they will stretch those numbers. I think more so for the offensive and defensive lines than they would for for some other positions. Right, and we've seen that already here for some of the offensive line discussions. Uh, but moving on, as promised, a lot of 2019 talent in here. And don't forget again, we'll have an interview uh, with Jesse Lukita now. The reveal of the 2018 commit later on in the pod. But before we get to that interview, some of the big 2019 names that were in town. Yeah, huge group of 2019 kids. Uh, a lot of guys that I can really see ended up with Penn State. Uh, one guy I really don't see ending up with Penn State, but he was there. Uh, bare- <laughs> He's definitely worth talking about. His five star Zach Harrison. Uh, this guy is a monster, man. I mean, he's he's every bit of six six to sixty five or something like that. And you know, he was he was walking along the other day. I saw him with Michael Villagrana, who's a recruiting assistant for Penn State, who we played tight end or defensive end at West Virginia. But he's not a small guy. I mean, just dwarfed Villagrana. I mean, it was it was actually funny to watch knowing that that kid is going to be a junior in high school. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a top of the board talent for a lot of schools, uh, like 15 minutes away from Ohio State. So that's going to be tough to pull um, from the Buckeyes. But if you're talking about a, a headliner in terms of the 2019 class, Harrison was your guy. Uh, some talent from Maryland, Shane Lee, DeMarco Hellams were there. Uh, and, and these are a couple, we talked about that family atmosphere. There's a couple guys that yep. have noted this family atmosphere and they've been on camp 
campus several times. I mean, this is not these first guys, uh, these guys' first trips. Um, so getting them back, showing them what's going on and continue, I think that's going to pay off like it did with like a Ricky Slade last year where they got him to campus several times. They, they, they talked about uh, with his family and, and with his coaches and, and made a very big selling point uh, as him a, a longtime target. So uh, I think that Penn State is going to continue to reap these, uh, these the benefits of this weekend. Nyquee Hawkins was a guy from, from Jersey that they've had on several times. Caden yes. Wallace, I think, has made four visits this year. So just a, there's a core in there that you look at that you can say – I think these guys are probably going to be Nittany Lions at some point, but uh, obviously it's still very early in their recruitment. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, a great weekend for those guys. I put in a crystal ball pick for Brandon Smith for Virgi- from Virginia. He brought up, I think, 10 family members for the Lash Bash. So um, just, I think it's a great opportunity to set the table for, for this year. Uh, Penn State continues to win. They're going to have a great 2019 class. I don't think that's speculation at that, this point. I think it's probably a fact. Mm-hmm. Lee and Helms in particular, you know, Penn State having a lot of success as recently as Daniel George uh, pulling kids out of the DMV or greater Maryland area. And both of them, of course, uh, coming from Maryland, you know, Hawkins from Jersey, Penn State long had a stronghold there. So they're going back to the same wells. And it's it's almost, um, I don't know, I want to say scary, but just kind of, you know, significant and notable how those strengths just kind of get stronger, even with the pulls of other schools, not only in that area and in your conference, but they just continue to pull the top talent there. And you, you kind of wonder with, you know, kids who are in the same area sharing and then committing in the very weekend, what kind of effect that might have, even though their decisions might not come for another four years. Yeah, yeah, winning is going to be huge in that sense and, and sort of uh, the, the the job security that James Franklin has now compared to a year ago right. makes a huge difference with these kids. So, And going back to the 2019 class, I think you nailed it without even trying to, but Pens- Pennsylvania's down in 2019. They'll, they'll probably only offer a handful of guys in Pennsylvania as it looks right now, but you mentioned, uh, or I mentioned Hawkins and Caden Wallace from New Jersey, Lee and Hellams from Maryland, Brandon Smith from Virginia. They're going to have to mine these areas around Pennsylvania, and I think they've set themselves up nicely to do that. Right. All right, so going backward a little bit, uh, you have an interview here with uh, Jesse Lukita. Jesse has been one of the leaders of the class, no doubt. Uh, talked to him quite often. I uh, did a lot of recruiting this weekend. Jesse, thanks for coming on with us. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. You too. Uh, Lash Bass this weekend, uh, you were an integral part of it. Uh, can you first tell us a little bit what it's like to attend as a, as a recruit? Um, you know, it's a, it's something that uh, Penn State tries to get their best committed guys up to, uncommitted guys up to. But what's the day like for you as a recruit? Honestly, for me, just being on campus, being able to spend time with the other guys who are committed and a part of our 2018 class, it was, you know, it was amazing. Um, so basically what it, how the day went was um, they got us on campus, you know, um, we got to interact, you know, introduce introduce ourselves to the to the guys who were committed, the crews that were there. Um, you know, we got to you know, sit down, eat together, and just, just talk ball. Um, the biggest thing for us, obviously, you know, was um, we got to spend time with the guys who we feel are our top targets and show them love, let, let them know, let, let them see and you know have have um, their own perspective of what Penn State has to offer. Um, you know, the atmosphere and I say the vibe. Saturday was, you know, it was indescribable. It was, just, it was all love. It was, you know, everyone, everyone was on the same page. Um, you know, it was just, it was, it was really hands on. You know, the coaches were there, players were there, everyone was there with their family. So, I mean, I know, I know a couple of guys left Happy Valley with um, Penn State being their number one at the moment. 
Yeah, obviously that 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 kind of uh, happened quickly with a couple guys, Daniel George, uh, Jake Penninger as well. Um, yeah, and uh, what do you, what do you tell these guys when they ask you, you know, why did you jump on board with Penn State? I know every recruit is different, but what did you tell these guys from your perspective? Honestly, I'm just I'm just I'm honest with them. Um, the reason why I chose Penn State was because family, it's home. Um, when Penn State has to offer, any institutions don't have to offer. You won't go anywhere else where you'll be able to have a world class education at the same time compete in one of the arguably one of the best conferences in the country, Big Ten, and enjoy your college life um, and be able to interact and, you know, build relationships for life and prepare yourself for the real world for life after football. You know, and that's what I tell them. It's just, it's real. You know, a lot of, a lot of other um, institutions will try, you know, sell their pitch or their, their fan base, their alumni. And the one thing that's different at Penn State is that um, we are a family and that's, 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 that's facts. You know, a lot of places um, try to, try to build what we have and what we have is just, it's, it's genuine and it's real. You know, there's no fake love over here in Happy Valley. So, I mean, that's that's really what I tell them. It's just it's all real. So there's, there's nothing I can tell them. That's that's not true. Jesse, I went back in our conversations over a year ago after camp. You told yeah. me you were going to go to Penn State. You didn't, I don't know, I'm not sure if you had an offer at that point um, from anybody, uh, but you told me you were going to go to Penn State. Why did you know that that was the place for you from, from day one, essentially? Uh, essentially, that's the biggest thing, and that's something I tell the recruits that I try to, you know, persuade them to come to Penn State as well. Even before my my recruitment skyrocketed, um, when I got on campus, when I when I got on campus, sorry, I I felt like I was a part of, of the family. You know, they treated me like their own. Um, you know, the coaches they, they were real with me. I, the vibe was, you know, it was indescribable. Um, it was it was all love from day one. That's the biggest thing. You know, going somewhere where you're not this four star, five star guy. You know, and you're you're treated you're treated the same as the next guy. That, that's huge. That, that's volumes for me. So. Um, I was I was ecstatic, and I was I was excited to to, to be a part of um, to be a part of what, what they had to offer. And the fact when I finally had my offer, you know, it was a no brainer. Anyone who knew, anyone who knows me knew that I was going to go to Penn State, and that's you know, I was I was ecstatic. I hear your phone blowing up. I know you're the recruiter. We've called you the people's champ on here. You you say you're the you know one of the leaders of the class, if not the guy. How excited are you about this class? And and what do you got for us coming next? Um, honestly, I'm I'm ecstatic about this class. You know, um, we've we've grown into something. We're really tight. You know, we talk on the daily. Um, we're really a family. You know, those guys are my brothers, and we all have each other's backs. Um, so we, we can't wait to get on campus and you know just buy into the to the program and you know just continue the tradition um what's coming next is that i'm telling you right now there's a lot of guys i want to buy into the, the program and jump on board because when we have one on happy valley is something serious a lot of other institutions and people are taking notice of it as you can see this past weekend we had a lot of people join the family and that's for a reason you know people want to be jumping jumping on board if we, if we didn't have um all the right things so all right, Jesse. Well, I appreciate you joining us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Always a pleasure. Uh, great follow on yeah. Twitter and obviously going to be a member of the Nittany Lions the next couple of years. Jesse, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Pleasure. Thank you. So recruiting, of course, you know, not the only development and news uh, generator from the past weekend. Multiple Penn State players were made available to the media, uh, most notably Trace McSorley, Saquon Barkley, Jason Kaminda. But Andrew Nelson, you know, spoke at length 
and, and we were allowed to really kind of get in depth, not only about what the Lions have been up to this summer, but his plans, you know, as much as he can. Of course, they don't like to talk about injuries. Nelson said he will participate in camp, you know, was asked, hey, could you be ready to go if the season started today? Hesitated, but I think the fact that, you know, there wasn't a, an outright kind of, you know, denial or, or a look on his part that, you know, he can't be ready to go, I think is a great sign for him personally. Now, it might be one of those cases where you've got a player who wants to get out there on the field, you know, just go, 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 and you kind of have to pull the reins back for the betterment of his health. But I I think the other thing he pointed to, in addition to he's going to be ready to go, is that they've been conducting many player-run activities so far this summer, whether you're talking about workouts, film room sessions, um, different drills that they're doing after team-mandated workouts, because you've got about eight hours per week allowed in the summer of football activities interacting with the staff. So they're taking advantage as much as possible of their time together. So this tells me that come camp, they're going to be ready to hit the ground running. And I think that goes to not only just for him personally, uh, but as a team, which is where you want to be for a team that, again, we heard about their success was so much fueled, you know, obviously by you know, improvement on offense, but also the offseason attitude that they took of putting in the work early and speaking about their goals. And they've been totally open. We want to win a national championship, and they, they were talking about it on Saturday. Yeah, going in with those expectations is, is completely 180 from where we were a year ago. So, And I think that they used some of that grit, and, and you saw that as they made that run last year. But uh, this year, it's kind of you have to take a different approach. I mean, you, as much as you try to recreate that sort of organic feeling that Penn State had last year, you're not going to do it. I mean, you're coming in with you're coming in with expectations. You've got a similar core of guys who have been through it before, and that will help you. But at the same time, you've got to you know rediscover that fire or whatever that got you there, and, and sort of find a different way to ignite it. So I think that the you know a lot of these player run things are, are good. I've talked to some people that uh, you know are, are impressed with, with with some guys that are putting in the work. So. I think that you know where they're at right now as a talent squad and where they're at right now as, as sort of a heart and desire type squad are, are still uh, aligning, but I think they can get there. Other news and notes to come out of Lift for Life, uh, chatting with Grant Haley, who's looking to really set you know the bar for the cornerbacks this year. He and Christian Campbell should start coming to that nickel spot, which in essence is a third starter there given how much Penn State and, and defenses in college football are in sub-packages. Haley and Lamont Wade, as of now, will take over those duties, which we always kind of had a feeling for and saw a glimpse of in practice. Last year, those duties fell to John Reed. Uh, Reed is still involved, uh, according to Haley, in terms of watching every practice. There's a lot of feedback, and they say they're using his absence as a motivation in terms of wanting to win and go for him. But that was obviously probably the biggest storyline to come out of spring for Penn State, You know, uh, certainly a, a negative one. Um, but the depth and the injuries, as much as you know, the, the heart and the desire and the preparations and the veteran leadership is all there in place, I think that's where, if you're going to look for a reason why Penn State might not get to those goals, like everyone is always going to be walking that fine line in terms of fortune and every champion you know, has some good luck go their way at some point. And I think Penn State will certainly need that moving forward given where they started losing arguably their best defender. Yeah, the the depth chart right now can absorb some blows. Um, they're still not where they, they need to be at some spots. It's not going to happen at every place. You know, if you if safety goes down or something like that, they're right. going to have some trouble replacing him or, or maybe Mike Jasicki or something like that. So, But they do have guys that I think can start to come around and, and sort of sharpen themselves. We saw it at linebacker last year. They cultivated that depth very well. Um, you know, it wasn't always the, the, the prettiest thing on the field, but some of those guys got some valuable experience and, and now you see that and they've got a legit two deep this year. So, um, it, it, it's one of those things where you're going to take some lumps for a while, but I think it's going to pay off corners the same way. Um, you got those two starters and, and Lamont Wade is as talented as, as anybody in the room. I don't think there's any doubt about that. 
Um, so you, you've got the ability to, to plug more guys in there. But yeah, this team is still not as deep as maybe say in Ohio State or, or we saw with Michigan last year with their senior team. That will come around, I think. But at the, at, as it stands right now, still a little bit of work to do from that aspect. Yep. And you, obviously, you want to stay healthy. I mean, that's not... Yeah, and, and the reason I mentioned it, not only just from that Haley and Wade note, having to fill in for Reed specifically at nickel, is that I feel like you know the deeper you kind of get into the offseason, and we're so close to breaking that, you know, shedding that term, but that there's this seductress of certainty. Like, you know exactly how these games are going to go, that they're going to roll into, you know, Columbus or, or the Michigan game and kind of be undefeated. But that's the best part of the sport is the uncertainty and the surprise and the expectation. So, and, and part yep. of that, unfortunately, you know, again, the most negative part about it is injuries. You don't want anyone to go down and miss their season. Uh, but we've seen it, of course, with Reed and other places across the country. So it's just an, an important reminder to say like, hey, not only do we not know, but we don't know how how significant the luck will be in either direction and that plays arguably the biggest roles when you look at the teams who have won not only are they up there in the recruiting rankings but they stay healthiest among their competition yeah absolutely but it's it's fun to find those guys I mean it was fun to see Brandon Smith do what he did last year so uh you know and and I think that there are guys like that that can step up and and maybe not be stars but step up and 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 help their own cause and, and be guys that can be that can end up making big plays so it'll be it'll be interesting to watch you don't want to see anybody go down but uh these guys are you know that's part of why you watch sports is to see the things that you don't expect so right so and that kind of leads into our final segment here talking about camp final thoughts you know, I, they certainly have better depth there, and you've got more people able to step in, particularly on, along the offensive line. Uh, should injuries hit once again, Penn State's in a better situation. But again, just got to caution. You know, this will be a successful camp because if they're going to hit the ground running, if they can just escape without any major injuries, because September second is going to be here. I think before we know it, um, they'll go through all the motions and, and do what they need to during camp and get ready and physically be there. They've they've never been better physically as a team and, and uh, under James Franklin, but. You know, as long as I can avoid that bug, I think they'll be be in great shape for the reasons we already mentioned. No doubt, and there's a lot to look forward to. I mean, you know, a lot of the guys that are coming back, whereas a year ago it was a little bit different, especially a quarterback. Uh, really looking forward to seeing what Trace can do, and everybody wants to see what Barkley can do. I'm excited to see what Miles Sanders can do. I mean, this kid is, yeah. is very talented. I know he had some fumbling issues last year, but he's he's phenomenally talented. He's a guy that can can give Saquon a blow, but at the same time that that drop off is not going to be huge. I mean, there will be a noticeable drop off to from Saquon Barkley to, to pretty much anybody ever. But uh no, I mean he's uh he, he's a guy that can really make a difference. I think as a receiver, as a guy that spells Barkley and you know, I I I like Andre Robinson. We know Mark Allen and and everything, but Miles is just a, he's a different level talent than those guys. So, uh I'm excited to see what he can do. Another guy that uh, and I've talked about a bunch of times that I don't think that people are noticing Deshaun Hamilton is I think he's going to have another big year I, I just he, he got away from that last year got inside his own head after the pick game but he, he flashed some some very good things at the end of the season I think people are, are they're focused on Juwan Johnson or Seed Blacknell or, or DeAndre Tompkins and I think Deshaun Hamilton's going to be your leading receiver and it'll, it'll, it'll be fun to see him in the role where you know he doesn't have to be the guy opposite Chris Godwin. He can you know he can play inside. He can play outside. He can he can really do a lot of things to move the change and beyond. And uh, it's his last season, so I'd like to see him go out uh, and and have a great one. And I'm with you on that front. I think the body of work there for Hamilton is quite obvious. He's 18 catches for money, you know, program record for for most in a career. And yes, you and, know, and he doesn't get the respect. I mean, that's right. the thing. He dropped that ball at Pitt, and people just dropped him. I mean, right. it was just it was 
crazy. But I hope they checked in for the Big Ten Championship because he had, you know, the best game of, of any whiteout. He had the most catches, you know, outside of C. Blackmell, who had two touchdowns in, in some huge spots. But I think when you compare the two in terms of consistency and their body of work, you know, Hamilton is at a different level. And I think that gives you the most confidence that he'll be able to return to that. It doesn't even have to be, you know, his career year and, and his farewell because they have better weapons around him. Uh, but I, I think you're right. I think he's going to bounce back there. The offensive line will be very interesting. You know, the starting five didn't change as we came to know it through the course of spring ball, but they really feel they've got eight, perhaps nine guys who they can plug in and play. And, and if we're not just watching a group, you know, I've talked about him many times in the podcast, but Cole Farmer is, is going to be a big player for this team, not only just given the position where he's kind of that hybrid uh, you know, safety linebacker spot playing with Sam, but you now with a full year in a linebacker, he's not switching around anymore. He's got a better mastery of the playbook. He's got great speed. You know, We saw what he did as a blitzer last year. Um, and with, with him and Bowen on the outside, I think he's just going to add a, a new dynamic to this defense that arguably you haven't seen uh, here in a long, long time. Yeah, Farmer was a straight attack guy last year, and they don't need him to be that this year. Brent, Brent Pry is going to send him plenty. I, I feel pretty confident in that just because he can get off the edge so quick and he can put a pounding on a quarterback. But yeah, I think that as, as he develops and rounds out his game, that, that speed on the outside there with he and Bowen, I, I think is going to really benefit Penn State this year. And we've talked about uh, him too, but Christian Campbell, you know, Grant Haley was telling us at Lift for Life that he, what makes him distinctive is that he thinks he's a really smart football player, which is something you don't get a whole lot of exposure or understanding to when, you know, he's playing less than 50% of the snaps as he did a year ago. But, you know, he says from just speaking with him and Haley, obviously a guy that people look to for uh, his knowledge and, and his aptitude out there that he just says he gets it and he understands at a different level. And he'll have the opportunity to demonstrate that uh, this year. In addition to the athleticism, the length, all the reason that the staff, as you mentioned, believes he'll be an NFL draft. Pick. Yeah, he can work his way into the draft. It'll, it'll be yeah. fun to see because, I mean, this is a kid that's going to put up close to an 11 foot broad if he goes to the combine I mean he's just athletically he's there I mean he's he's an NFL player athletically hasn't quite done enough field. I think I saw a, P, a pro football focus had him graded out as one of the top corners or something but yeah I don't passer s- rating was among yeah the lowest I don't see targeted. how you can you can make a judgment based off of what we saw from him last year so he's going to have to improve on the field but I think he's he's worth it and you know Trevor Williams is he's starting or at least playing a lot in San Diego or Los Angeles or wherever the Chargers are at now <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and I think Christian Campbell is probably a, is a better prospect than he was coming out. And who knows, maybe they see each other uh, come uh, December if, if Penn State makes the trip back to the uh, Rose Bowl. That would be in the goal for Penn State, no yeah. doubt. Which was funny, because I, I don't think many people knew this, but they practice outside of now what is the Chargers Stadium with a Galaxy play out, outside of downtown, which when you say 30,000 person stadium it's exactly how it sounds it's small it's confined they were out there in the practice fields uh and of course they would like to get back there because that would mean a semifinal berth and as we mentioned uh, midway through this that's where they want to go so uh where we want to go is to the end and we are here episode 12 of the lions 24 7 podcast about to wrap up but as always uh please find us on itunes rate review leave comments what have you we always appreciate it and otherwise we'll see you next time Bounce, 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 bounce.